So, as you all know, this week is Thanksgiving, right? Are you excited for Thanksgiving? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Now, for some of us, this is a day of kind of socially acceptable gluttony, where we stuff our faces with food and then lounge around and watch football on TV for several hours, right? Who plans on doing that? Come on, nobody? Really? (laughs) All right. For others of us, maybe it's a chance to hang out with grandchildren or family and spend some time seeing those we don't get to visit with often. For others of us, maybe it's just a great vacation. You get a couple days off from work and you get to relax a bit. Uh, If I'm honest with you, though, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the holidays, with Thanksgiving, with Christmas, all those On the one hand, I love them. I love good food. I really love good food. I love traditions. I love the feasting. I love making memories with my kids. But on the other hand, I also kind of struggle a little bit because um, if you you ever watch, like, the Hallmark Channel, I know none of you do because nobody would ever do that, but if if you did, you would come to believe that this time of year is marked with kind of this special magic, Right? Um, you know, it's this season where we experience love and community, where, you know, all of our family dinners are bathed in warm lighting, and, you know, our, our homes have the perfect HGTV Christmas decorations covered with a light dusting of fake snow. Um, and that's kind of what we're led to believe the holidays are supposed to be. But if you're like me, they often don't look anything like that. So, you know, We'll have a great dinner on Thursday, but half the time my kids will be arguing with me about whether they have to eat the turkey. The answer is yes. They'll be negotiating about how many bites of green beans do they have to eat in order to get pie for dessert, right? They'll just go on and on like that. Um, And so, to be honest, often I'm disappointed a bit by the holidays. Um, Rather than this warm, wonderful experience, it's kind of like, was that it? I, I don't know if any of you can relate to that. And so every year, I kind of go on this quest. How can I make the holidays more meaningful? How can I make them more special, more spiritually significant? Um, How can I prepare myself so that when I celebrate them, I'm actually celebrating in a meaningful way? And so when I'm done, I go, wow, that that was good. That was good. So this morning, I want to share just a few thoughts that have been challenging and encouraging me. And so if you have your Bible and want to turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 11... And it will be up here on the screen. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And before we dive in, let me pray. Jesus, in your life, we saw, we saw celebrating. We saw people feasting with you. Um, you seem to know how to party. <laughs> and, um, and we're about to enter into a time where we we celebrate and we feast and we party and we enjoy time with family and friends. And, and I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would um, do a work in our hearts, that you'd open our eyes, that you'd prepare us a bit so that in the coming weeks, uh, what we do is a bit more meaningful maybe than it has been before. And that it would be a time of, of your showing us and revealing your face to us in a new way so that we would love you more deeply and fully. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is Luke chapter 17, verse 11. 
Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, at first glance, this is kind of one of your regular old Jesus heals some people stories, right? Uh, a bunch of lepers, they get, they get healed from this awful disease. Um, but then only one of these ten returned to say thank you to Jesus. So kind of not much to see here. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you take your kids out, those of you who have kids for ice cream or something, something special, and, and you give it to them, and they just start gobbling up, and they don't even say thank you. So you kind of, in a snarky voice, say, you're welcome. And then, you know, maybe they respond, oh, oh, thanks, Dad, thanks, Dad. You know, is this kind of what's going on here with Jesus, right? You know, he healed all these people, nine didn't even come back to say thanks. One did, and so he's kind of thin-skinned and maybe a bit snarky, and he's like, you know, where are the others? What's going on here? Probably not, right? Jesus isn't usually thin-skinned and snarky like I am. And so what is the story about? Leprosy, as you probably know, was, is this horrible disease. Um, it causes skin rashes, disfiguration. Even more importantly, it causes um, nerve damage so that people can't really feel and so it's kind of almost like neuropathy from diabetes. And so people not only have this, you know, lesions and all this kind of stuff, but then they can injure themselves and not even feel it. And so lepers in that time often would, you know, lose fingers or toes, things like that. And they wouldn't even know because they couldn't feel any pain at all. And so in biblical times, this was a, a dreaded disease. And the Jewish people had all kinds of laws of how to handle it. And so people, when they were found to have leprosy, they would go to the priests, and they would be declared ceremonially unclean, and then basically cut off from the rest of society. So they had to live in a, a leper colony. They were removed from their families and friends. They could no longer be with or even touch their husbands or wives or kids. They couldn't work. Um, they were living in isolation, basically. And even if they walked somewhere, they had to kind of shout out, you know, unclean, unclean, because... Nobody would want to go near them or touch them. And so these ten men, when Jesus comes along, they would have been desperate to be healed. They would have desperately wanted something done. And so imagine hearing of this man, maybe the Messiah, who somehow God is working through him in, in amazing ways, and, and maybe, just maybe, he could heal. He could heal them. And so they hear stories of the blind receiving sight of of lame people walking, of the deaf hearing, of even maybe the dead being raised. And so if this Jesus can do all of that, maybe he can heal us. And so here he comes. And so try to imagine just the mixture of emotions they're feeling, the, the anticipation, the hope, the fear, everything as they cry out, Jesus, have pity on us, help us, do something, give us our lives back. 
And the crazy thing is Jesus doesn't heal them on the spot. He says, you know, go, go to the, show yourselves to the priests. And so they have to make a choice. They have to act in faith. You know, they're not healed. And so will they go to the priests? I mean, they, they could end up there and the priest could just say, yeah, you're unclean. Go back to where you came from. And so they make this choice and they all march off to see the priests. All ten of them. It's faith. But imagine them walking along and, and all of a sudden they begin to, to look at their skin and something's different. Uh, maybe some of the sores are gone, the rashes are gone. Um, and maybe where there was once a stub, there's a toe all of a sudden. Imagine the, the joy they would have felt when they stepped on that rock and all of a sudden they felt pain again for the first time. I mean, they would have been ecstatic, healed, completely healed. Skin, one, one, <laughs> one commentator said, skin as smooth as a baby's bottom. You know, just the joy they would have felt in that moment. They can now return to their families, to their homes, to, to their jobs. They have their lives back. And so they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went to the priests to have them declared healed, to have the priests declared they are clean. Life is back to normal. They have their lives back. And so nine of these men returned to their normal lives. But one of the ten, one man, he stops. And instead of listening to Jesus, instead of going to the priests, he returns to Jesus and he falls at his feet and he worships. Luke tells us that this man was a Samaritan. And so as you know, Samaritans were kind of hated by the Jews of that day. They were considered half-breeds. They had intermarried with the Assyrians when Israel was taken into captivity. And so these Samaritans... They built their own place of worship. Um, They didn't go to the temple. They weren't allowed to worship with the other Jews. Like the lepers, they were considered unclean. And so nine men go off to the Jewish priests to the temple to be declared clean, healed and restored. They can go back to the temple rites and rituals, all that stuff. But one man, the outsider, the one who is normally rejected, he goes back to Jesus he realizes there's something else going on here. He recognizes that even though he's so excited about being healed, God's doing something new. His eyes, the Samaritan's eyes, his heart, somehow are open to the fact that in Jesus... God himself was present. The Samaritan realizes he doesn't need the temple or the priests to declare him clean. Somehow he's already been made clean. Jesus had done that. He doesn't need to go to the temple anymore to experience God's presence because somehow in this Jesus, God himself is present. And he realized that even though In a wonderful way, he had been healed. Somehow in this Jesus, the great healer himself was there. 
And so he goes back. And Luke says he worships in a loud voice. Not quietly, but in a loud voice. He falls at Jesus' feet and he worships. And Jesus says to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. See, that, that first time when he went and walked, his faith healed him from his leprosy. But this time Jesus says, literally, be resurrected. Get up. Your faith has saved you. In returning to Jesus, he's experienced a far deeper healing than he had before. In other words, you, you Samaritan, unlike those other nine men, you understand something. You realize what just happened. You realize who you're talking to. And your faith in me has saved you. You don't need priests to declare you're clean. I've made you clean. You don't need the temple to experience God's presence. He's present in me. You were once an outsider, but now you're part of God's family. See, while all ten lepers experienced the healing, only one recognized the healer. Let me say that again. While the other nine lepers, they experienced the healing too. Only one recognized the healer. While the other nine experienced the blessing, only one recognized the blesser. While the other nine were made whole, only one saw through it to see who had made them whole. And his only response was worship. John's gospel tells us about an encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman, right? You might remember that, the woman at the well. And Jesus explains to this woman that one day there will come a time when Jews will no longer worship on the, at the temple and the Samaritans will no longer worship on their holy mountain. Instead, Jesus says there will come a time where people will worship God in the spirit and in truth. And in this story, it happens. The Samaritan man Worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. I want to show you a, a short video right now. and It's kind of funny, but uh, it also kind of gives you a punch in the gut. So let's see how this goes. Okay, gang, here we go. Gobble, gobble. It's a fine bird, a fine bird indeed, yes you are. Are you talking to the food? Yeah, I guess I was, but it's a fine bird. Where is everyone? Hey, let's go, dinner! Stop punching me, David, stop! Nate, stop! Stop! So now, well, here we are, family, another year, happy, healthy, it's good. Excuse me. What? So before we eat, and I know we don't normally do this, but why don't we go around the table and just say five or six things that we're thankful for this year, okay? What? 
You know what I think I'll start? What I'm thankful for this year is a great family, credit cards, uh, the house, uh, nice clothes, uh, Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom's. Oh, cars that work. What? What's so funny? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I was just thinking more meaningful things. Meaningful things. Kids, what about you? Five or six things. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Um, family, um, cars, and uh, HDTV. Yeah, babe. Uh, yeah, uh, peace on Earth. In the Middle East, I'm thankful for our galaxy. Kids? Can we eat now? Come on, guys, we can do this. Five or six things that we're thankful for. I mean, it's not that hard. Just Video think games, of violence, the band, cradle of filth, techno, distraction, piracy, and the internet. Good. Those are good things to be thankful for. Darcy? Can we eat if I do it? After David goes. God. Green beans, red stuff, rolls, mashed potatoes, stuffing. Well done, David. Okay. I'm thankful for, like, the fact that. God lets us live and breathe, and he gives us beautiful lives and art and relationships. And even though we don't deserve it, he showers his mercy on us year after year. Even though we ignore him, he takes care of us. He loves us. And also the car and the stuff and the whatever. Amen. Okay. Well, let's eat. <laughs> so, maybe your family does something similar at Thanksgiving. We try to do that with our kids, um, my wife and I, to maybe similar results sometimes. But uh, I want you to imagine yourself for a moment with those lepers sitting around the table. Um, you know, the things... The family members shared, the first family members, they were good things, right? you know, family, kids, even cars. Well, credit cards can be useful sometimes, you know, like, yeah, everything's a blessing from God, you know. So maybe those nine lepers would have been sitting around the table and they would have, you know, shared about how they had been healed, how they had a chance to return back to their families, to their homes. They could sleep in their own beds. Uh, life was back to normal. And then it would be time to dig in and stuff your face with food and watch some football. But like that daughter who, out of the blue, shares something far deeper and far more meaningful. You know, just the, the true miracle that all of life is. I think that one Samaritan leper would have shocked everyone. Maybe he would have started off with, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've been healed. But even more than that, I met the healer. I met God. Not only is my, my skin cleaned, but I met the one who cleaned my soul. Not only can I go back to my family now, but I've been welcomed into a whole new family. God's family. And you can imagine everyone just kind of stopping at the table 
in silence, not knowing what to say. I'm assuming that most of us do not have firsthand experience with leprosy. Maybe somebody does. Um, but maybe others of us have experienced some other kind of debilitating disease. You know, the shock of a, of a life-changing diagnosis. The sense of isolation as we battle illness. Wondering day after day, will life ever be normal again? Will life ever be easy again? Maybe if we haven't experienced the, the physical pain of disease, maybe we've known, you know, other trauma, other challenges in life, experiences that have broken our hearts and left us numb in some measure, maybe because of an abusive relationship or divorce or the death of a child or the pain of addiction or the heartbreak of an estranged family member. But in the midst of that, maybe we've experienced even in some small measure the healing and presence of God, some measure of his grace. And and just like those lepers, when we cried out for mercy, God heard our prayer and answered us. Maybe we haven't experienced that kind of pain in our lives. Um, But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have experienced his healing touch in other ways. You've experienced what it's like to run from God, and disobedience and rebellion and sin, and to know his welcoming embrace and forgiveness and love. We too know what it means to come home, be made clean, to have Jesus say, Be resurrected, get up. And the question, I think, for all of us is how do we respond? I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving to be like the Samaritan leper. Um, maybe you'll have great food. I hope so. I plan on having great food. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll get to root on your favorite football team with friends or family. Um, I, won't make, I won't talk about the Patriots right now. But maybe you'll just experience some freedom from stress, from work. But I want to encourage you this week to see beyond those blessings to see beyond what's on the table to the one who's doing the blessing. I want to encourage you not to say, you know, a quick grace around the table, quick thank you, thank you, God, rub, dub, dub, thanks for the grub. You know, that, to, to go beyond that, that the, the feasting and the time with family and friends and, and the time off from work and all the good gifts that we have, they, they point us to something far greater far more amazing. They point us to the goodness and the love and the faithfulness and the kindness of God in our lives. They point us to the truth that that all of life is a gift. Just like that girl said, the breath in her lungs is a gift. And all of life should cause us to fall at Jesus' feet and say, thank you. So I want to encourage you to take some time this week to say Thank you. So maybe it means taking a break from the the cooking and the cleaning and all the preparations. Just going out for a walk for a few minutes and finding a quiet place to to pray, to sing a worship song, to, to say thank you. Maybe it means turning off the TV, uh, skipping the 
fourth quarter of that Patriots blowout or whatever, you know, like, and opening your Bible and reading a psalm of thanksgiving instead. Or maybe next Sunday when you come to church and you're a bit bloated from eating too many pies, pieces of pie, (laughs) or you're tired from hosting all the family, just come and no matter how you feel, you just belt out some worship songs and say, thank you. Because God has given each and every one of those good gifts to you. And he's worthy of our praise. I'm going to ask you to, as the worship team comes back, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a minute. And I'd like you to pray in your own heart. But this is how I'd like you to pray this morning. In the quiet of your own heart, I just I want you to think of something in your life right now. That reminds you, that shows you that God provides for you. What's one, one piece of God's provision in your life today? And just say thank you for it. I want you to think of a prayer you've prayed over the last couple weeks, last couple months. Think of a prayer that you've prayed and God has answered it. God has shown that he actually hear, He knows you and hears your prayers and he answers them. And just say thank you. What's something of of beauty that you've experienced in the last few days? Maybe it's, you know, the lake, sunset, or, you know, your grandkids' face as they run in because they're coming home and visiting, or maybe just a great meal. (laughs) What's something of beauty you've experienced that points you to a God who is so incredibly beautiful himself? Just say thank you. was a moment when you kind of blew it with your words your actions your failures to act were you were selfish were you hurt someone were you sinned maybe it was getting people out the door this morning for church whatever it was and you know that God has forgiven you just say thank you
who is someone in your life who's faithful, who's loving, and who reminds you regularly that God is good to you, that he loves you, he accepts you? Who is someone that demonstrates God's love to you? Just say thank you. Jesus, we worship you. You are so good to us. All of life is such a gift, but you've, you've given us far more than just life. The beauty of this world, your, your care for us, your grace, the privilege of having your life in us. God, I pray that this week we'd be mindful as we celebrate, as we feast, that we'd be mindful of you. That with every gift, we'd be like that one leper who'd come back and fall at your feet and say, wow, thank you, Lord. You are so good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand with us as we sing one last song?
praise this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. I just want to wish each and every one of you a happy Thanksgiving with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week. Bye.